pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 295. Today I'm going to chat with Dalen from Civilian Tactical, discuss a new case on Chevron Difference, highlight a new pistol from Lone Wolf, and talk about the latest on brace registration. I'm your host, Ava Flanell. Dalen, how are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you for having me on today. I'm excited to talk about some of this stuff here. Oh, I'm excited to have you on. I was actually, before you joined the Zoom link, I was watching your YouTube channel and I was like, okay. And I was like getting sucked in. And then I was like, oh yeah, I have a show to record. But I was like, cool. I wonder what it's going to happen. Can it make through this, you know, like what's going to go through this bulletproof vest? Yeah. So you have some like really cool videos out there. But before we start talking about that, I'm going to talk about Smith & Wesson real quick. If you haven't checked out the MMP57, you definitely need to. Did you have a chance to check it out by chance? I've seen some people that love that gun. I need to get my hands on one. 5.7, my thing with 5.7 is we need more 5.7. The, the more people that get the MMP57, the better that caliber is going to have it being a, a, a standard shot in the, in the industry. So I'm excited about that gun. Yeah, absolutely. They've done something a little bit different that I have not seen done with any other gun, and it is the Tempo Barrel. It's two parts to an internal rotary lock system where the barrel doesn't move until the bullet's almost out of the barrel. I don't even know how to describe it. If you guys want to watch my YouTube video on it, I sort of show you guys like how it moves as you pull that trigger. But as a result, it's going to make it a lot more accurate because there is less motion before the bullet's out of the barrel. You know, 5.7, obviously, I actually really like that cartridge. And so it's cool to see that they came out with a gun that is chambered in that. And it shoots really well. Like, I know 5.7 in itself doesn't have a lot of recoil. But the fact that I think that tempo barrel, it also absorbs a lot of that recoil. And it feels like you're shooting a 22. And I've shot other 5.7s out there in comparison. And this one's hands down like the flattest shooting gun. If you want to check it out, head on over to smith-wesson.com. MSRP is only $6.99. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. Jalen, I like that name, by the way. Thank you. I met very few people with it. I was just thinking that because the way that it's spelled, I'm like, you kind of question if you're, you know, saying it right. <laughs> I've been called Dylan and Dallin. I'll respond to both. And I'm not one of the people that really cares either way. So. Yeah. Nice. Well, I do like that name. For anybody who hasn't heard about you, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in this industry. What I do, I make videos on YouTube. Absolutely love it. So much fun. And I think that's the that's the most important part. What I do is I have a lot of fun. Um, but I specifically make short videos. So, you know, you're scrolling like the the real style stuff on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, being a more gun friendly place than the other platforms. I essentially just make those short videos, fun things with guns. Like you said, how bulletproof is a Vietnam helmet? Um, how deadly are Legos out of a shotgun? That sort of thing. And I have a ton of fun making this content. But yeah, that's sort of what I do. I make very short gun videos. 
How did you get started doing this? So this is actually really interesting. I'm a marketing guy. So for the last two years, I had a, a business and a company and I would help brands make short form video. And it did very well. And I was like, this is fun, but I, I like guns. Guns is like what I do. And so I just applied all the same principles, all the things that I learned with them to something that I loved, which is guns. And that is how I started making videos. That's and I think I was so lucky, you know, day one. I think that first video after 30 days had like a million views. So I lucked out wow. big time. And since it's something that I love, it worked out pretty good. And how long ago was this that you started your channel? I would say it's been about 10 months, coming on 10 months now. I think it's nine and a half-ish months. Damn. Well, meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, I think it's like three years. I'm hitting 46,000 subscribers. But I mean, in my defense, I don't, I post like maybe once a month if I'm lucky. (laughs) It's insane for anybody who's curious. It's like the the growth is absolutely like it, it shouldn't how fast my channel grew like things shouldn't grow that quickly no it's it's crazy because you you're almost hitting what almost a million subscribers closing in on a million i'm guessing within the next month we'll be able to hit that and it's just it's just insane youtube has created something a template i guess they've copied from some other platforms that just people people are loving Uh, and i guess that's a big part of it interesting so how often do you post a video You'll see me posting a video at least once a day. I never miss. Sometimes three a day. Damn. Wow. So I noticed. Okay. So that makes sense because I noticed while I was looking at your channel, a lot of it looks like it was recorded with your phone because it's not that wide angle. And and I was like, okay. And so I don't know. Do you know Mr. Guns and Gear? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So Mike, years ago, he told me when I was thinking about starting a YouTube channel, he was like, best advice I can give you is just make it as easy as possible for yourself. He's like, you know, recording from your phone, posting it because how you do it in the beginning kind of sets the stage. And I kind of wish I listened to a degree. I mean, I've trust me, I don't put a lot of effort into my YouTube channel and I probably should. It's just not my main platform. But I was like, look at you like and now shorts have become, you know, kind of a thing. I don't know when that started, but it seems like I've noticed it just in the last, like maybe two months, if that, and it seems to be taking off and maybe that's YouTube's way of, you know, competing with TikTok and Instagram with the reels and and stuff like that. Totally. And, and that's the key. Like a lot of people that are listening to this, you know, it's possible that something, some once upon a time it's crossed your mind, Hey, I should make a video. Like you said, make it the easiest thing. Mm-hmm. Like maybe one day people will appreciate when I improve my quality. <laughs> yeah. But for now, like people just enjoy the authenticity, the ridiculousness of it, the simplicity. And it just it it makes it so much more like they're there uh, yeah. doing it with me. So that's that's the that's totally true. Make it as easy as possible. And I've done that kind of built out a system. That's how I'm doing finally have an editor that's helping me out with the editing and yeah it's it's very basic very basic and very fun do you have a cameraman i don't okay i need one but in fact quick story i was at the range literally two days ago didn't have a cameraman and i'm in idaho Mm -hmm. and i got this massive gust of wind that just blew my camera over and like killed it (laughs) instantly camera dead and i'm like hmm 
maybe getting a cameraman uh, would be less expensive. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, wait, so it ruined your camera? It broke it? Dunzo. Oh, it fried it instantly. It hit the ground hard. That's crazy. So, so I, wonder... I might need to upgrade. Um, I might, might need to take that advice. Get a cameraman out there to help me. I know. I've gone through a few camera guys. I hate to say it. I don't think I'm that difficult to work with, but, you know, they're just, I don't know. It's because I think that that really does kind of set a lot of successful channels apart. I mean, obviously, you're kind of the rarity, but a lot of people that I talk to that have, you know, a large following, they have a whole all these people behind them. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm out here with my phone, my tripod. My audio is my worst nightmare. It's like hit or miss. You know, even if I let's say like the other day I went to Shields to record some content and my mic decided to shut off, which I only realized halfway through. Actually, I didn't realize halfway through. I realized days later when I looked at the footage and then I had to go all the way back to Shields and re-record some of it. And it's just always something. So my life, I went to NRA, got some footage in a different state, flew there <laughs> No audio when I came back. So that's always a fun, fun time. Yeah. But okay. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Uh, so were you raised around guns? When did you start getting into guns? So to give give you a background, this is interesting. I haven't like I have not shared this with anybody. So you guys are getting the first of this anywhere on the Internet that has like uh, the, the deep dive on this. So I was actually uh, born in Canada, raised in Canada. Okay. So you're like, how on earth does some dude in Canada start a gun YouTube channel here in the States? I came down here for school. Uh, I came down here for one of my, a girl that uh, I knew and we ended up getting married. And uh, so we we're living here, but her family, you know, they love guns. They took me out to go shooting first time. And so shout out to them if they hear this. But the rest is history from that from that time on. Um, I was just like, hey, this is this is fun. That's how it started. Right. And that's how it always starts. Um, So an encouragement, if you love guns and, you know, people that, you know, aren't into guns, definitely invite them to go shooting with you. That was the first thing for me is I just had fun. Mm -hmm. And then little by little, I started with uh, Marlin uh, Model 60 22. It was like, okay, this is fun. But like. I really want to get into it. And that was like literally probably three years ago. Wow. So I am new to this whole, to this whole thing, but I, I love it. Dove in head first and uh, never looked back since then. So that's kind of what, what got me hooked. Wow. And then when did you leave Canada? Uh, that was, yeah, that was probably like uh, four, four and a half years ago or so. Yeah, left Canada just to come here for school. Went to school in in Idaho. Love it here. Hate the winters, but you just you love it here. So it's it's a love hate relationship. But yeah, no, it's a wonderful place with wonderful people. So mm-hmm. yeah, very nice Idaho. So do you work with Grand Thumb at all? I don't. So he's a little bit more north than I do. Uh, oh, okay. When we're talking about really good camera quality and cameramen, yeah. that's Grand Thumb, right? I know, there. right? I know. He just invited me to go out there and record with him on his channel. And I was like, yeah, this is great. Then I could maybe get some of your subscribers. <laughs> it was well, totally, he's been you know, doing some ton of fun stuff. And that's the best thing is like with his stuff, he just has a blast. No matter who goes out there, mm-hmm. uh, you'll see admin out there. You'll see 22 man. You'll see all sorts of stuff. And, and Grantham just has a blast with anybody. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to take a quick break. Talk about Mantis.
I saw on your channel that you've actually used the Mantis Blackbeard, correct? Yep. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, that's a very, very interesting system. I took it to the range because like I hadn't used it very much. I'm like, okay, people are like, does this thing, does this thing work? Is it actually useful? And I thought like, okay, I wonder if I could do some like dry fire training and then transition to real bullets. So I brought it to the range, which normally you wouldn't be doing with this. This is something you could just use in your house. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do now. But like I practiced with it for 15 minutes and man, I think I even made a video on it. Like that thing tightened up my group, got my shots a lot quicker in like five, 15 minutes, five to 10 minutes on the range. I don't know exactly how long it was, but I was just kind of plinking around playing with it and it tightened up my groups. Uh, no joke. So that thing is a lot of fun. It's fun and it works too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I will agree with that. Anytime that I've used any of the Mantis systems at first, I'm scoring low and I'm just like, whatever, this thing's stupid. What is it now? And then the more I use it, then it's like, I'm, you know, I actually progress pretty quickly. And I think I'm a fairly good shooter, you know, but taking some time off, which I have done recently, I haven't shot in like three months with the exception of one video that I put out and it was painful because I'm, I'm just healing from a injury. And it is one of those things where even if you shoot well, if you're not using it, it's one of those diminishing skills. But I have noticed like even just within a few minutes, like then you start to progress like pretty quickly. And as long as you're fixing whatever it's telling you that you're doing wrong. So I think, I think it's a great system. If you guys want to check it out, head it on over to mantisx.com and they have a system for everything, uh, rifles, shotguns, handguns, and so forth. Let's talk about some of the stuff that you cover in your channel. One thing actually, before you tell me and expand on other things, I've noticed like you do stuff where you load a shotgun shell with something, whether it's candy or ice or any of that stuff or like uh 10 cent coins and i'm just kind of okay this is kind of stupid i don't know that much about shotgun shells but how are you able to do that uh yeah so the the best way to to know this is youtube doesn't allow me to mess around with ammunition they don't allow you to kind of do this uh sort of crazy stuff and it used to be done back in the day so Mm -hmm. like demolition ranch used to do that he had to get his videos removed and so I definitely don't load my own shotgun shells. I definitely get a professional to do that. Mm. So that's what enables me to do all of this and put it on YouTube is that it's done by a professional, not by me. I am no professional, but reloaders know their stuff. They know the weights. They know the the powder loads. They know all that fancy stuff. And so that's sort of what makes it possible because, yeah, YouTube YouTube is frowned upon this type of content historically. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I just thought like maybe you were in your basement. You're like, hey, let's put some Skittles in here and see what happens, <laughs> which is that essentially be, what you're doing. But yeah, <laughs> be a lot easier to do it like that. But yeah, got to do it. Got to do it the way to keep YouTube happy and also to keep me safe. So yeah, that's sort of the yeah. system, the shakedown for crazy shotgun loads that, that you'll see on there. So let's talk about some of the other stuff that you do. How do you come up with? Well, let's talk about first. Let's talk about some of the stuff that you do. Yeah. So, I mean, you'll find everything from, you know, we just mentioned the shotgun rounds. We'll, we'll test how bulletproof things are. Cause you know, those are typical, those are classic. Like when you think of like crazy YouTube gun tube, like that's what you think about how bulletproof is this thing stuff done by, you know, FPS Russia, demolition ranch, Kentucky ballistics, Edwin Sarkissian, like that's just like a big staple and it's a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that one just because like, I'm curious, you know, I want to know, I want to know the answer. But you'll find me doing a lot of other types of tests on there, like which is faster, 
reloading or switching to your sidearm super unscientific because i'm a test case of one Mm -hmm. but we'll do all sorts of experiments on the channel just crazy stuff or even just little explainers i love to do um, because like i said i'm fairly new to all of this and so when i learn something i like to share it with people that means i get it wrong a lot though you'll find a lot of my videos there is mistakes so like if you ever see one of my videos you're like "Mm, that doesn't seem quite correct Usually you can just go to the comment section and find the small corrections. Mm-hmm. People are pretty quick to let me know when I when I uh, am wrong, which is good. But yeah, it's just me sharing essentially what I'm learning as I learn it. Hmm. Nice. I like that. But yeah, you're right. People are very quick to tell you when you're doing something wrong. <laughs> you have to. It's like a love hate relationship, right? You're like, you could have been a little nicer to tell me that, you know, I, I needed to correct that or do something you know, differently. But. And I'm probably like of a different breed. Like I go through my hate comments. Yeah. And I'll just laugh for like half an hour reading the crazy things people are saying. And, I, and then I'll read some of them to my wife. And she's like, that's not funny. That's just mean. Uh, but you got to have a thick skin. When oh, you're yeah. Good. And it doesn't. Honestly, I've got to the point where, you know, I don't recommend some people read all of their comments. But for me, I get a good kick out of it. No, I definitely read all of my comments. And I'm at that point, too, where it like starts. It just cracks me up. I don't really care anymore. But it took a while to get to this point. So, I mean, you're actually way ahead of the game. If you've only been doing this for a few years and you already have thick skin, I think it took me. I don't know, actually, but now it like nothing bothers me and I think you also just become a little bit more confident, I guess, and more comfortable in your own skin. So you're just like, "Eh, I don't really give a shit what you think. Um, Actually, yesterday I did post a because yesterday was May 4th and I did some stupid, you know, May the 4th be with you. And I posted a short on my YouTube channel and people were calling it cringe. But meanwhile, my Instagram, it was like taken off. Everybody was loving it. And it's crazy how it does vary from platform to platform. But I'm like, what the hell is cringe about it? And I basically had a IWI TS-12 in my hand. And I did one of those, you know, like the Star Wars line where it's like, I look at the gun and I'm like, so uncivilized. And then I pull out my saber tooth, whatever, not saber tooth, my saber, whatever. And I'm not very Star Wars-y. It was my camera guy that was like, we should do this. And I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think they were saying it was cringe because I said that the gun was uncivilized, which I'm like, uh, clearly, I don't think that this is just a quote, but it was That's cracking so me great. up. And it, you're right. Like, I'll, I'll post something on like Facebook and it's like, you know, to me, it's the most dead boring video of, of the ones I do. And I was trying to do a good job, but sometimes, you know. Just come up with one that I'm like, I don't know about that. And then just people love it over here. And yeah, some people hate it over here. So it's Mm -hmm. totally true. Yeah, it's weird how it just changes like so drastically. Yeah, I yeah. And I think a little bit of that is people go in and read the comments and uh, just will pile on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I know. Like, I think people very much like follow each other. So if somebody's like, oh, this is cringe, then they have other people like, I agree. It is, you know, so it kind of like sets the stage too. It's weird. All right. So let's talk about like some of the stuff, like think about like some of your most watched videos. What does it cover? Number one is just the silliest video ever. Oh, and I don't know where I got the idea for this, but I had been thinking about it for weeks. And every time I thought about it, it would make me laugh like and and, like a really like a belly laugh, like a real laugh. Mm -hmm. And I would tell my wife and she would giggle. She said, that's so dumb. Don't do that. 
but you know, she could, <laughs> I could tell she thought it was slightly funny as well. Mm-hmm. And it was sticking around of seven, six, two by 39 and a pair of eyeglasses, you know, cause I just done like a, a test on like eyeglasses. And of course they won't like the best ballistic glasses can't stop a bullet, but they'll stop shrapnel and all sorts of other nasty stuff from getting in your eye. But I just, you know, drilled a little hole, glued this bullet kind of halfway in the glasses, if you can imagine that. So it's like almost touching my eye. Then I took the cartridge from a 308 and stuck it sort of like a stovepipe out of the side of my handgun. And the oh whole video God. is this. It's about six seconds long. It says, this is where why you wear eye protection to the range. And it shows my handgun with like the 308 stovepipe out of there. And then just the bullet in my eyes. And the reason this one did so well is because, first of all, people have to, it's so short that people are like, what the heck is going on here? So you have to watch it again. Yeah. And then half the people got it. Like the gun people got it. Like they know that that's neither of those rounds belong or would be where they were. Yeah. But then the other half of the people just were like, this is fake. This isn't real. (laughs) They took it way too seriously. And so it was like a 50 50. And man, I think that's like at 64 million views. Uh, But I had a ton of fun making that one. Yeah, that's the most ridiculous one. And then what would you say is a close second? Uh, Coming in second would be dimes out of a shotgun. Okay. Um, You know, people were asking for pennies, 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 pennies. 12 gauge. I was talking to my reloader and he's like, look, the bore diameter of your shotgun. It's just not going to work with pennies, but we can make it work with dimes. And, you know, that's something that's been in a few movies as well. So we tested that one out and that was a ton of fun to test out. And back in the day, I was like, this is so expensive. It's, you know, like $2 for every round that I'm shooting, you know, in dimes or whatever. But it was a ton of fun and well worth it. Yeah, definitely. Somewhere like 30 million or something like that. 30 million views or so. What was the outcome of that shooting dimes to your gun? I mean, as you can imagine, not very accurate. Yeah. Not very accurate at all. But like when the diamonds hit edge, like the, the thin edge hit dead on, like that surface area is so narrow that they sliced through like the the shrapnel vest we had. They sliced through the plywood board that was behind it. They embedded themselves into like the wood boards. So very deadly, super inaccurate. Wow. So has any of these testings ever screwed up your gun at all? Because I don't know. I mean, I'd have to imagine maybe as it's coming out of the barrel, it's not as, I don't know. I mean, yeah, like, no, that's, that's, a, that's a legit question. question, right? I'm like, yeah, because we've shot stuff like drywall screws out of a shotgun. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, or chains or, you know, just metal things that you would think would damage the barrel, especially, you know, it's just a shotgun barrel. It's not like as tough as a rifle or something like that. Mm-hmm. But shotgun barrels are not rifled so what you get is it's is possibly like some minor scratching as it comes out but most loads have a wad so as it's traveling through the barrel it's kind of like and it's not rotating like a bullet needs to and it's pretty much just a modern blunderbuss so it's possible it's scratching the barrel on the inside a little bit but like you're never going to notice anything when you take out your buckshot and fire that downrange or your slugs, your rifled slugs, even no accuracy change. So it's highly possible that it does leave some, some light scratches, but it's a shotgun in the end, which is just a modern blunderbuss. So hmm. no performance issues after shooting all this crazy stuff. Nice. Okay. How do you come up with the ideas for your videos? I mean, are you just like taking a shower and you're like, ta-da, light bulb? <laughs> 
Well, I just think of the thing that will look very cool and be very interesting because I know that everybody watching, like they got 60 seconds, it better be good. So that's not some of my best ideas of come like the diamond bullets that we did. Of course, diamonds being way too expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, we get some some lab diamond shot that out of a shotgun. Probably one of my most expensive videos, but it did well just because it's like when you think about it, it just seems cool. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of what I that's sort of how my ideas come about. You know, I'll be just thinking like what what will look cool? What do people want to see? And I come up with 100 ideas for every 10 I use. And that tends to, you might think there's a lot of ideas on there. But yeah, 100, 100 to 10, I would say easy. And that gives me just the best of the best. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm, I'm an infinite idea machine. I was thinking, about, I'm like, what if I run out of things to shoot out of my shotgun? And that's never happened. And I don't think it ever will. So I think we're good on the ideas front. Uh, I tend to have no trouble with that one. Also, comments help a ton. People will comment all sorts of crazy things. Again, I can only do 10 out of every 100 suggestions uh, for my safety. (laughs) But that's another way that I'll get these ideas. Interesting. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Because that's my hardest thing is like, when you're making content, it's like, okay, what can we come up with that is going to make things interesting. And a lot of times, I mean, I'll come up with like, thankfully I'm creative, but, um, my camera guy too. So that's another thing. When I do work with somebody, I want them to be creative and kind of know the product because if, you know, I could hire, there's a million videographers out there that probably, you know, record way better than my camera guy, but I would need them to know guns and then also be somewhat creative because then we kind of bounce ideas off of each other. Otherwise, it's just me sitting there and I'm just like, I don't know, uh, talking to my dog or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's one thing like I've realized, and this is just like a skill learned, I would say, like I could, if you gave me like, I don't know, let's say you literally gave me a round of nine millimeter and said, make a six minute or 60 second video about this. That's the beauty of the shorts format is it, you know, it gives people enough time to learn something new. Mm -hmm. And if you can pitch it in an interesting way, you know, it's anything can be exciting and interesting to learn about, you know, like pick up a round of nine mil and be like, here are the three most critical components on a handgun cartridge. And you could go over the primer, you could go over the casing and the type of casing and the bullet and the powder and 60 seconds. That's the beauty of what I do. It allows me to do so much more because uh, in 60 seconds, really, you can never bore anybody. Yeah, absolutely. You, you don't have enough time to explain anything. So it's always interesting. I wonder if this is kind of the direction that we as a society is heading where, you know, longer format YouTube videos are a thing of the past because we live in such a, you know, like a world where everything is so much quicker And I don't think we have the attention span, you know, to watch a YouTube video. Like I was watching, uh, God, what is his name? I can't think of it. He always does the meat targets, Paul something. Paul Harrell. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, somebody, one of my patrons posted a video and they were like, look, you know, said something. And I was trying to watch it and I was like, I am so bored. I can't, I can't get past like a few minutes and no offense to Paul. He obviously he has a much, you know, larger channel than I ever will. And he has his audience. But I do wonder if as people, you know, as more and more generations of that is kind of the direction that we're heading in is just we kind of just have like, 
you know, a very short attention span. Well, I, I don't think we have very much farther we can go before we have no attention span. And, yeah. I, and I've thought about this a lot, given the type of content I do. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely, you know, attention span is just something that's learned. So I think it's going to be something we're going to have to relearn is having better attention spans. Totally. And I that's coming from me, the person who's giving everybody a fish brain attention span. Rather, mm-hmm. I know it's not I'm not giving it to them. I just know that that's, you know, sometimes people are in the, in the mood for something quick and short. And YouTube knows that and they make a lot of money off of it. But yeah, I think it's definitely gonna be a skill that's going to need to be relearned. Yeah, is a longer attention span. Totally yeah. makes sense. I'm gonna take a break and talk about gators. Have you used Gators iPro by chance? I have not used Gator iPros. I'd be interested actually to see you test the ballistics on their lenses because from my understanding, they're like one of the highest rated. But that aside, they do have a limited edition thin red line if you're a firefighter. And honestly, it looks really clean. You know, it's not like in your face, like, you know, I'm a firefighter. But it's, I don't know, it's kind of cool. So if you're interested in this limited edition, definitely check them out. If you use the code, well, not the code, actually, if you use the URL, Gators, so G-A-T-O-R-Z dot com forward slash Ava, A-V-A, you are going to get 15% off your entire order. And they also have prescription lenses as well. So something to think about. But yeah, it's, they have some really nice stuff. And all kinds of different frames to fit every face out there. Some good glasses for women as well. Yeah. I noticed in the show notes, you asked me, for those who don't know, so in the show notes, it says like guns gear topic that you'd like to discuss. And you said, have you ever had any range injuries? So now I'm kind of curious if you've ever had any range injuries. Nothing too crazy, nothing too exciting. But I want to hear, I want to, I asked that question because I want to know if you've had anything exciting happen or to anybody you're with, you know, there's always the basic, you know, get some brass down the neck. That's never fun, you know, stuff like that. But I'm wondering if you or anybody you've been with has had anything crazy. Then I'll kind of go over uh, some, some mishaps and learning experience. We'll call them learning experiences that I've had. So I have not, thankfully, knock on wood. I mean, honestly, I did get hit with brass, like, and this was, I don't know, two or three years ago, I was in a helicopter shooting out of a helicopter and the person in front of me, they weren't leaning far enough out of the helicopter. So their brass like rained on me and I was wearing a high neck shirt, but it still managed to get underneath my shirt and it burnt the hell out of my chest. And then I still, even though my chest was on fire, I still wanted to continue to shoot. And then I did the same thing to Elliot from Silencer Shop. And I actually just saw him recently at NRA and his neck is burnt. Well, his I'm sorry, his neck uh, got really badly burnt from my brass and it actually left a scar. <laughs> what were you guys shooting when that happened? Oh, just AR-15. Dang, so, it's impressive. So that, that goes to show that even like five, five, six, two, two, three can leave some gnarly burns. Oh, well, I mean, we got rained on. I'm not saying like, you know, it was just like one, you know, piece of brass. I mean, it was like, it was just collecting on my chest. Same with his neck because his collar was catching the brass. So it was just sitting there. And then we were in Texas and it was like, I don't know, 110 degrees. So we're already like hot and sticky and it just stuck to it. And it was just like the worst. And when you have a few minutes in a helicopter to just mag dump, you're not going to stop. No, absolutely not. Yeah. 
And you also have a gun in your hand, so you're also not going to like freak out and try to get the brass off. Like you still have to do it very thoughtfully. And yeah, so it was, it was just a nightmare. Thankfully my chest did not scar, but I didn't realize that it scarred his neck and it's actually pretty bad. I took a picture of it. That is some, some battle wounds right there. Yeah. But I don't know. I do know there was somebody who was an instructor and they were teaching and they were, you know, basically like, this was like well after, you know, saying like, always assume every gun's loaded, blah, blah, blah. And she went to go show something to somebody and her hand was in front of the muzzle and she didn't verify that the gun was unloaded. And I guess she had taken it to the range like maybe weeks before that. And sure enough, the gun, it was a 22, but she shot herself in the hand in class while she was teaching a safety class. And so lucky it was a 22. Yeah, I know. And I mean, it kind of like grazed her hand. But to this day, the guns that I use for my classes, I do not bring them to the range. They literally go from my range bag to, okay, on the table in the classroom. I verify. I also verify before I teach the class with my students. I verify all of their guns are unloaded because that story just like haunted me. And and you've seen, you know, unfortunately, like on there's YouTube videos where there's instructors and they've had a negligent discharge because complacency is real. So yeah. I think that's always been one of those things where I'm like, I do not want that to happen to me. Like, I do not want to be known as that person who had an ND. So totally. Yeah, that's 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 always the scariest. And like with all the rules of firearm safety, you know, if you just lapse on two laps on like one laps on any two and usually, uh, you know, they're they police themselves when you when you keep one rule and maybe if you mess up on one, like you'd mm-hmm. be fine. But yeah, when you when you stack two on top of each other you can get some some pretty gnarly stuff happen. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I so, think, in my opinion, I think the two most important safety rules are always keep the gun pointing in a safe direction and then always keep your finger off the trigger. Because even if you, if you remember nothing else, just those two rules, if you accidentally put your finger on the trigger, which it shouldn't be an accident, and the gun goes off, you're not going to hurt anybody, or your finger off the trigger and you didn't have it pointing in a safe direction, it's not going to go off. Totally. Yeah. You'll, you'll feel a lot better about my, uh, my range injury once you, uh, once, once you hear what happened with me. And it's interesting because even like you, I mean, in theory, yeah, I think it's technically, you can, you're technically breaking, a, a, a one of these rules here, but I was going to the range showing somebody how to shoot. Have you ever shot? That's a pretty inexpensive handgun, a Taurus G2C or G3C. Yes. So if you look at the reared slide serrations, mm-hmm. it is pretty much a reciprocating knife. It is razor sharp just on the back of the slide. So, you know, a slide bite, if anybody's got it before on like a handgun, mm-hmm. if that in theory were to happen with that specific model of gun, you're getting a pretty good slice. And I was showing somebody how to shoot this handgun in question. And I was showing them how to grip it. I was putting my hand over their hand. And then I said, fire when ready, you know, and I moved my hand from under their hand, but I had my hand behind and they pulled the trigger and that slide came back (laughs) and Ooh, it was, it wasn't slide bite. It was like, it just went straight down to the knuckles. So yeah, pretty pretty crazy one there. And and you think like, well, you're following the rules and in theory, uh, you got to think about where the gun is going, not just where the bullet's going, but where that slide is going as well. So. 
And for anybody listening, these are these are lessons learned. These are these are lessons that we're sharing. Uh, hopefully, to so you don't have to make the same mistake that we did. <laughs> right. I know. Absolutely. Okay. So wrapping up, if people want to follow you on your platforms, are you only on YouTube or are you also like on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you know, all of that stuff? Yeah. So Facebook, we've tried a couple times. Maybe we'll get back back on Facebook, Instagram. They don't love us too much. TikTok, I make a profile picture and then my account gets banned. <laughs> uh, so just YouTube at Civilian Tactical on YouTube or Civilian Tactical. Definitely check it out. It's a totally different flavor, probably than what anybody is listening to, probably than what they've seen before. So yeah, definitely check it out. Okay, awesome. All right, so moving forward with the rest of the show, BSF Barrels. Do you have any experience with them or like carbon fiber barrels? I don't have... uh, ton of experience with carbon fiber but i have a carbon fiber but i have a good buddy who does a lot of hunting and man he just is always raving about how much lighter it makes his guns it really Um, does so and i didn't know that i didn't actually realize that it made it lighter like when i say lighter it's not like a pencil barrel like pin and welded pencil barrel you're still getting like that quality of a really good barrel that weighs a lot less because it's not carbon wrapped. It actually has a like tension sleeved carbon fiber around a barrel and it's going to help with accuracy. And then it also cools the barrel down quicker and it also looks cool, but you're looking at, I think it's like half the weight compared to like a similar steel barrel that you would typically be getting. I'm actually going to be doing some testing. I have two 308 ARs and I'm going to test it with the barrel that's on it as well as then replace the barrel with the BSF barrel and then just see if my accuracy improves. So be on the lookout for that. I just got notification today that it's shipping those two barrels. So I'm excited for that. If you guys want to check out their stuff, head on over to bsfbarrels.com. Use the code ELITE15, all one word, E-L-I-T-E-1-5, and that's going to get you 15% off. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Today in politics, the end of Chevron difference. The Supreme Court has granted certiorari in a case that could curtail the power of federal agencies like the ATF to make regulations with the effect of law. ATF and other federal agencies for years have enacted sweeping rules, often with major changes in how citizens are allowed to perform business and many other aspects of their lives. They do this by using Chevron difference, which they make rules. Chevron difference comes from a 1984 Supreme Court case, Chevron versus Natural Resource Defense Council, which has allowed federal agencies to interpret the law when the written law is ambiguous or unclear. The new case is brought by commercial fishing companies who are challenging a rule issued by the National Marine Fisheries Service requiring them to pay for government observers to make sure the companies comply with fishery rules. Their arguments say that Congress did not grant the agency the power to enact such a rule, just like how ATF effectively creates law with their bump stocks and brace rules. They have no legislative authority. 
Chevron has been repeatedly abused by federal agencies to justify more and more overreach ever since it was first ruled on. The recent ruling on West Virginia versus EPA may be preview of how they rule in this case, but the potential ruling could have far more effect than protecting fishermen's rights. The Constitution demands all legislative powers are vested in Congress, not rogue agencies filled with unelected bureaucrats. Although this is optimistic news, a ruling for the court is probably at least a year away. But still, some progress, you know? It's interesting. You never thought us gun people, 2A people, would get excited about a fishing you know, thing. The fisheries of West Virginia versus the EPA, you know, Environmental Protective uh, Agency. But it is definitely a big, it's, it's an important part because it will essentially crack down on these agencies just being like, yep, we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to make this law. And it does, it can seem dense, especially for us. We're like all into guns, all into this fun stuff. And then it's like, ah, this like environmental protective agency law ruling, like doesn't <laughs> sound too interesting, but it's yeah. terribly important for how these agencies can make up rules, AKA if it's punishable, you know, it's a law <laughs> yeah. without going through Congress. And so I think, uh, I think we're going to see some positive stuff on that. I think the uh, Supreme Court's going to say, yeah, this has gotten out of hand. In that case, it's a lot smaller, but with the bump stocks and braces being Mm -hmm. the biggest. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, which we will talk about braces here shortly. Caldwell. If you want a good, affordable target for a distance shooting that you can put up anywhere with no setup, check out the 33% pepper popper from Caldwell, which I actually just requested this because I want them for my range now that spring is here and I'm going to dust off my old, you know, outdoor range and start shooting. But the pepper poppers are awesome because they have a spring loaded target on a steel base that you can just set up, you know, set out in your field without putting up posts or anything like that. You just literally carry the target, stand out there and set it up. The target is a long skinny silhouette that's popular for three gun competition. Best of all, the complete target and base are only $99. But if you use the code gunfunny10, all one word, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. And that is caldwellshooting.com. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A is your Star Wars skit for May 4th was hilarious. How did you think of it? And the real answer is I didn't. It was so, let's see, it was May 3rd and I was, I don't know, maybe I was eating Chipotle or something. And my camera guy was like, hey, you want to get together and record something real quick for May 4th tomorrow? And I was like, oh, that's weird that you mentioned that because I was actually thinking that maybe I should do something because I'm not like I don't dislike Star Wars. I actually have seen quite a few Star Wars stuff and I was like pretty hooked when I first started watching it. But it's not like I'm going to go out of my way and, you know, be there like opening night when something new comes out. But I know that, you know, a lot of people that follow me are are huge like Star Wars and Star Trek nerds. So I figured it would be kind of cool to do something. My camera guy is a huge nerd and he has all of the, what is it called? The saber. It's not, I have called it a saber tooth, like fucking around with him, but it's not (laughs) a saber sword. 
a lightsaber. Okay, whatever. <laughs> this is how you can tell that uh, you and the nerds are on a different level when it comes to the Star Wars lore. I know. And well, he asked me what color I want. He's like, I have a uh, red, green, yellow, teal, blue. And I was like, oh, for what? <laughs> and yeah, so he has every one of those colors, which I have to say that light was kind of cool. Like it was made actually really well. And I asked him, I'm like, how much do these things go for? And he said it ranges anywhere from like $75 and up. And I don't know. Oh, I mean, they, can go, they can go into $800 and above. I know. Isn't that crazy? It's so crazy. Totally. But yeah, so he told me what to say. We picked out the gun and I was like, let's do the TS-12, the IWI TS-12, because that just kind of has like a very Star Wars sort of look to it, like very, you know, futuristic look. And yeah, so if you guys want to see it, I put it on my Instagram and it's, I mean, I thought it was kind of cool, but we did it literally half fast and I chose to look like the character Ray, which I guess my camera guy's like, wow, way to pick the, you know, the character that most people don't like. <laughs> Uh, but I looked at women's like Star Wars women costumes and I was like, okay, that one, I think I have clothes that I can kind of pull it off because like I said, we put this together within like an hour and that's how it was done. But I feel like well, that's you, how you most, picked, you picked the right gun for it for sure. to like spacey. That one did the trick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fun. I don't know, but I got a lot of compliments on it. But then when I posted on YouTube, yeah, people were like, this is cringe. And I'm like, what about it is cringe? And then other people were like, you need to work on that transition because I get rid of the gun, the TS-12, I throw it in the air, which somebody was there to catch it, it didn't fall on the ground. And then I pull out my sword. And obviously, yeah, it was a weak transition. What? Like, I'm sorry, guys. But I don't know. I thought it was funny. And it is kind of cool. Like, you know, May 4th. It's I think it's funny, but it's becoming I, I'm I'm convinced it's going to be a national holiday. We're getting there. It's I getting know, because year. really this whole thing started just within what, like six or seven years ago. Yeah, no, it was it started as a meme. It still is. But it's oh, boy, is it fun? Yeah. Like everybody kind of jumps on board with it. So I wouldn't be surprised if it does become a national holiday. All right, IWI, as I said, I was talking about the TS-12 shotgun, but if you're looking for a good AR, definitely check out the Zion 15. That thing is just made really well. It's like the first M4 variant from IWI, and it's made here in the U.S. The rifle version has a 16-inch 4150 chrome molly barrel chambered in 5.56 with a mid-length gas system. They come equipped with a 15-inch free-flow M-lock handguard. The grip and stock are from B5 Systems. It's just a really great gun and MSRP is under $1,000 or maybe it's $999, but lots of upgrades for the price, good quality. And yeah, if you want to check it out, head on over to IWI.us. If you find anything in their web store, remember to use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, and that's going to get you 15% off. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Today in Tacti Talk, Lone Wolf Goes Dusk. I did actually get an email about this. I don't know how I'm on Lone Wolf's email list, but I am. And I did get a notification and I'm going to sound kind of mean, but I'm, I'm not super excited about this gun. I'm kind of over the whole like Gucci Glock thing. 
I still like locks. I enjoy shooting them, but I think, I don't know. Sometimes I think with the glocks, I'm kind of at this point where I kind of just want like a stock glock and I'm totally fine with it. And maybe that's, yeah. I mean, if you're going to go glock, that's honestly like, there's so many options to change. It's, it's sort of just like, why not go glock? And maybe yeah. because I've done it for so long, like I've, you know, cause I had Palm Rady as a sponsor. So I put a bunch of Palm Radies together. I did have a ton of Glocks. I would change out like the barrel, get a Cerakote, change out the trigger, you know, upgrade the sights. And now I'm just like, meh, you know what? Like been there, done it. I'm over it. But I'll, I'll play the devil's advocate on this one for anybody that does love Glocks, loves upgrading their Glocks. This lone wolf gun is just sort of like, if you did all the mods to your gun, yeah. you know, if you switched out the frame, if you upgraded the trigger, if you kind of did everything that you could to just bring it a level up, stipple the stipple the the frame and give it night sights. And if you did all that, that's just sort of what you're getting, but it's right out of the box. Yeah. Which sort of like if you're playing, if you're upgrading your Glock, really, let's be honest, it's just like Legos for grownups. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it does take that aspect out of it and it kind of just gives it to you right out of the box. Yeah. And actually, so I read that the new trigger that they have, it's like a proprietary trigger and it's only 3.6 pounds, which is pretty good because I think on average, maybe it's like close to five pounds, I want to say. So and and the more I shoot, the more I'm like, oh, I'm totally a trigger snob. Like, I appreciate a good trigger. So that's nice. Let's see, what else does it come with? So yeah, it has solid serrations. It actually doesn't. So even though it is compatible with any Glock parts, it doesn't have any Glock parts in it. I think that Lone Wolf makes everything. Yeah, um, they've sold parts for so long. You got to imagine they just have everything laying around to build out their own thing there. Yeah. And then I also read it has, there's 14 different variants with options for like night vision tritium sights, optic cuts for RMR and Holosyn footprints, threaded barrels, and a bunch of finishes. And then also kind of best of all, actually, this is probably what I like the most, is MSRP ranges anywhere from 649 to 699 Because if you've ever upgraded any of your Glock parts, you are looking at, you're like, cool, this gun now just cost me like $2,000. And I don't even think I'm exaggerating when I say that's typically how much it's going to cost by the time you upgrade everything. And so, then you have a spare barrel lying around, a spare trigger lying yes. around, you know, you got all those parts just sitting there. I know. And you paid for them. Yeah, I know. Well, and then you're like, well, why don't I put together a Polymer 80 or, you know, an 80%, whether it's Polymer 80 or any of the other companies, because I already have this trigger and this barrel. And then it's a cycle that just never ends. <laughs> Which uh, isn't a terribly bad thing. You know, if it's a cycle, that means more guns in the safe than, hey. Totally. <laughs> I know. But this is literally like, this is for a while, this was like what my gun safe consists of. Speaking of, just... speaking of these guns, what is your favorite? And I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, but what's your favorite gun to shoot for fun? And when I say fun, like sometimes I'm going out to the range and I'm doing a ton of videos and I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm bogged down or just thinking about filming or, you know, not really in the I'm excited to shoot mood. And yeah. there's one there's always like one or two guns that I can pull out, take to the range and just start blasting. And it changes everything. I'm wondering what that gun is for you. Like, what's your fun gun? So I lately, I just really love my IWI Galil. It's a Galil pistol Gen 2. And I put 
the break on it is from JMAC Customs. I SBR'd it. I put a stock on it. It's from JMAC Customs. The muzzle device, and I think it's called their fall or something. It's like something supposed to be really loud, and it is. It's a freaking, it, it shoots out like balls of fire. It's super fucking loud and obnoxious. And it's just such a nice, like refined gun. And then I would say probably the AR that was the first AR that I ever put together. That's just, I just feel like I tuned it really well and it's always fun. It's pretty lightweight. And then even just like my go-to, like even my Smith and Wesson handguns, I always enjoy shooting those, but yeah, Which, I don't what's know. What's your favorite of the Smith and Wesson? They, they have new, they have old. They've got they've got everything. What's your favorite Smith and Wesson handgun? So lately, I'm really loving the new metal one, the MMP 2.0 metal. Ooh, I think yeah. that that one actually shoots better than the competitor, in my opinion. Totally, I've heard some really good thing about steel frame. I mean, spoiler it's, alert: one, my favorite gun also in that category of steel frame, but they're freaking heavy. But man, can they? It's shoot. actually not that much heavier. I think it's like maybe three ounces or maybe one ounce heavier. It's really not that much, but it sort of changes the ergonomics of it and it makes it shoot a lot better. It just feels really good in your hand. Gosh, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. It's, they've got they've done some clever stuff to pull that off, then. That's amazing. Yeah. It is like it's because you, when you compare it just the regular Palmer 2.0 to the metal, you're like, okay, it literally is like the same size. It's clearly not that much heavier, but yeah, it just feels much better. And I've told that to a few other people and they're like, yeah, I agree. And the only thing that does kind of suck, I will say, is the metal. I think MSRP is still like, I think it's $899 and then the competitor yeah. is $999. And really for $100 more, you're getting so many more things in that box, like more magazines. It just has a, a bunch of other things that come with it. But yeah, I still like it over the competitor a little bit more, but I do like the competitor. That's but, awesome. And yeah. what's your what's your Galil uh, chambered in? Uh, 7.62 by 39. Nice. So, so yeah, it used to be cheap, but too. not so much. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I can thank certain people for that one. Um totally. Okay. So what what are yours? Mine is so I just love to mag dump and I don't love to spend a lot of money on ammo. So due to that, I love some of the 22, the Sig P322, mm -hmm. or just not just above that is the Taurus TX22 in like their competition version variant. Hmm. Interesting. Fun of fun. And those ones like run so good for me. So there's so, no, cause that's, that's the only downfall with 22. A lot of times is there's just the reliability issue is I've noticed like some 22 handguns shoot or guns in general shoot the ammo so much better. And I do think that it does help like for the longest time, any of the finicky guns that I'd have, like the CCI uh, high velocity would shoot the best, but that was the only drawback to shooting 22s is like, it would always have some sort of misfire. Totally. Yeah. My only rule is no hollow points when it comes to the 22s and the handguns that seems to eliminate most of the issues for me, but, and those are, those are fun ones to teach people to shoot on. You yeah. know, I learned my lesson trying to teach people to shoot on nine mil and I won't go back to that, but yeah, 22 ton of fun to just totally blast away on the range. And then moving it up to something that more people would consider a real gun. My favorite recently, speaking of steel frame is the new SFX rival. Oh, okay, that one yes. is by Canic. I don't know if you've got your hands on that one yet. No, but I do have the SFX, not the steel frame, the the other one, the polymer one. And that one is one of my favorite handguns. What do you think about the trigger on that? Uh I actually think it's almost too good to be true, if we're being honest. I actually I really stock. like it. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's how I feel about the uh, steel frame, the SFX. And, and it's, it's the- thicker too. It has like a thicker trigger. So mm-hmm. it's not, I don't know. I think it's a lot more comfortable to pull and it also doesn't have, I'm trying to, I don't have it right here in front of me, but it does not have that trigger safety on it. Right. So, or maybe, maybe it does, but either Depending way, on it's, the version you get mine, I think the one I have, I think it does. I don't know if that's standard on all of them. No, it, it probably is then, but it just feels, cause I'll note like Anytime I shoot Glock, I can feel that trigger safety. It just, I can feel it on my finger. Whereas like oh. this gun, it's like the trigger is actually really good. I wouldn't it's even, I wouldn't even touch it. I would not upgrade it at all. Yeah. It's impressive. That's, and that's for me, you know, just shooting regular guns and then getting one of those in my hand. I was like, what on earth? That kind of actually makes me um, want to just go to the range and shoot that gun today, actually. Well, you might have to, it's, it's a good one. As I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, I'm getting kind of antsy. I'm like, maybe that's what I should do because I have taken some time off from shooting and I did just recently start working out again. I'm now a week and a half into working out again. And I have to say it is kicking my ass. And I started off with three pound weights. It's so fucking embarrassing. It's so humbling, though, because I was like killing it. Like right before 2020, I was like in the best shape of my life. I had muscles like in places that I didn't even know I had muscles and then yeah 2020 you know gyms are closed i wasn't really working out and then you just kind of get lazy and then i had surgery and you're just you know they don't want you to move or pick up anything like i couldn't pick up more than 10 pounds for the last two months so now that i'm getting back into it i'm like let me lift some weights first before i go balls to the wall and just start shooting again because i did put out a video where i was shooting a star pistol and i gotta say i hated that gun it was not a pleasant gun to shoot and it definitely hurt as I was shooting it. And I was like, eh, you know what? I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to take a few steps back. Even though my doctor did say that I could start shooting, it just didn't feel good. So the last thing I want to do is do any damage where, you know, I'm hurt or take step back, like a few steps back and, and prolong well, the hate, healing process. I, I hate to get you excited to go to the range, but it must be, it'll be good motivation then to get that, uh, to get that exercise and to get yourself up to that level. I know that's, Yeah. So I wanted to lift more weights and like kind of get into it before I just like, cause you know, like trying to absorb that recoil, especially for a female, it really does take quite a bit of effort. And I just didn't feel like I had it in me just yet to shoot as well as I would like. Totally. Yeah, no. And the same thing applies to the exercise regimen. I, at least it's my motto is to the content, do whatever you know you can do consistently. Cause if you just bust your butt too quickly you're gonna you're just gonna die and then you'll be burned out and so it's for me when it comes to gym exercise it's like i mean first of all like grantham says in his videos get fit or die like it's important like you Mm -hmm. just gotta go do it but yeah just do what you know you can do consistently and then you'll see you'll see some awesome results so that's awesome congratulations on that well thanks it's i have a long way to go (laughs) but luckily i'm still young and i have pretty good genes so i think you know it I should get back into it pretty quickly. Okay. After that long tangent, thanks so much for that. Although it was a good conversation that made me excited. And I think I might go to the range today. We'll see. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome as f- Never mind. AF. Today in AF segment, ATF's brace registry. So I'm sure a lot of people are wondering what's going on. 
With less than a month left in the amnesty period, you might be wondering, you know, how many people are biting the carrot that the ATF is dangling for the quote unquote free SBRs with their unconstitutional brace rule. Remember, ATF deliberately underestimates that there are only three to seven million braces in circulation, which is hilarious. A report from Congressional Research Service, though, says that there are like 10 to 40 million. And as I've heard from plenty of industry members who have been around, they know that that number is even bigger than what the CRS is reporting. At the Orchard Industry Firearms Conference this month in Atlanta, Deputy Director Marvin Richardson, the same guy who was acting director for a while and a veteran of the Waco fiasco, updated the industry members on the progress. As of the end of April, only 125,000 form ones have been submitted. That means like less than 1% probably, which is pretty good, actually. I'm actually pretty proud. I thought for sure that there would be a lot more just because there's a lot of people out there that do think that this is a good opportunity. They think it's, you know, a great way to like, cool, we can, you know, get an SBR for free. Absolutely. And I've been sticking to my guns where I'm like telling even my listeners, like, at the end of the day, guys, do what you want. It's obviously, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but I will say that me personally, I'm not doing any of that. I am. Yeah. I think it's a trap and I'm not falling for it. And when people when when you say it's a trap, like when people are like it's not like the ATF's going to come and trick you and then be like, I mean, there's also that built into it, that aspect. But it's more of if they can take it out of common use, you mm-hmm. know, they, they give it a really low estimate of three points. Three to seven million, which is, again, like you said, absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. If they can come in and say, yeah, it's only like three to seven million. And if they could get two million people to go and sign up for their registry, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they've taken them out of common use. So it really undermines the argument if people were to go and and jump on this. And it's tempting. $200. You could save $200. Mm -hmm. But for me and for you it's worth it to bite the bullet and just pay the $200 later if we need to, but also just stand for what you believe in now. And it could cost you more money down the road if you want all those SBRs. Like you said, you've literally SBR'd guns recently. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's so tempting. It's so easy. It's just, you know, you just have well, to Well, I did it. it. I also did it like the normal way. And, True. you know, then give them evidence that, that now what they're saying is a crime. Yeah, I don't know. And, and then also Rick Richardson said that the average processing time for four ones is currently 48 days. That means it's literally impossible to complete on the very low end of estimate, you know, for the 2.9 million four ones before the end of the month. Meanwhile, the new ATF director, Dettelbach, has been busy testifying in front of Congress that he's not an expert and repeatedly dodges questions about the details. Specifically, he flat out refused to give a straight answer on whether the millions who own braces will go to jail based on their new rule, which I have to, you know, I'm like, it's kind of funny, like, if they only think that there's so many million, you know, braces in circulation, how are they even going to knock on these people's doors and get all of these braces back? especially when they have no clue how many braces there are out there. One thing he did specifically state in his testimony, though, is that removing the brace, even if you keep it separate, would be in compliance, which is ambiguous in the rule. However, he and everyone in ATF leadership have repeatedly proven that they cannot be trusted. Totally. They say one thing, you know, this is legal, this is fine. And on the other hand, they 
go and change it up a few years later. And so who's to say that, you know, one random thing he said, that's definitely not a ruling mm-hmm. uh, that they're going to stick to it. You know, it's, it's, do you want to take the word of the ATF? You know, they're notorious for keeping their word, right? Yeah, right. No. <laughs> I know, no. I mean, look at SB Tactical. They even have letters from ATF saying that this is totally illegal. The brace is legal. It's fine. And yeah, that obviously was not true. So I agree. Legal for years. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's really frustrating. I don't know. We will see what happens, but we are down to the nitty gritty. I personally, as much as I don't want to remove my braces from my guns, I think that's what I'm going to do. Just because being more of a public figure and showing a lot of my guns off online, now that they know and there's proof, just to avoid all of that, I'm just going to remove my braces. Yeah, the only way to stop it is mass non-compliance, and I'm telling everybody to do whatever the heck they want to do. Follow the law. I agree with you on this. I'm a person that is seen. Mm-hmm. I'm a person that has my stuff out there. The ATF has, you've literally talked about this on your podcast, totally steamrolled people just to make an example out of them on youtube exactly and it's like yeah i don't want to be a part of that and there's so many people that don't have so much exposure that you know like you said there's millions and millions out there and it's everybody's decision what they're gonna do so Mm -hmm. totally or you could also you know just replace the barrel and the handguard if you want to keep that brace on it just has to exceed you know 16 inches or be 16 inches or higher I might also do that as well with maybe some yeah, basic the, barrels. The tricky part with that, I mean, you get into this whole area that I don't even understand about once it's a rifle, you can't make it an SBR and you can't blah, blah, blah. You can't go backwards and forwards. And then if it is oh, a yeah. rifle and then they do change the ruling and then they grandfather things in, you know, then it's I didn't even just think about mess. that. It's That's actually, mess. yeah, that is a really good point. So you think I should just take it off then? I mean, I'm not going to tell you what you should do, but I, I'm going to say that I've just taken it off for now. and. I'm just kind of storing them separate. Like they said, I'm I'm just listening to what they're doing right now as much as I hate to. Yeah. Because they could really mess. Well, but that is the problem. Like that's, and that kind of comes with the territory for what we do. Like if we're out in the public eye, people know, and I'm sure that they would love to make an example out of us. Like they have done with other people in the oh. industry. So I just don't want to be that person, but I have no problem publicly saying that like, I definitely don't think that you guys should register your guns and you know bite that carrot that's dangling in front of you because i don't think that that is the way so yeah i would not recommend anybody register either yeah it's a it's a it's a slippery slope Mm -hmm. franklin armory so one thing that i was thinking about when you said that you like to shoot 22 so have you ever put a binary trigger in like your 1022 no, those look like a ton of fun. I you should not. do that. Okay, so, and you know how binary triggers work, right? Totally, yeah. Yeah, trigger pull, and when you pull down on the trigger, it fires around, and when you let go, it yeah. shoots off the second round because it's one movement of the trigger mm-hmm. to fire each round. Yeah, like, this is why I want a 1022. I actually don't have one. I still don't. And every time I bring up the 22 binary trigger, I'm like, I need to get one. And I just, I just need a bullet, like bite the bullet. It just sucks because the price on 1022s has gone up so much that back in the day, I wish I just bought it for like 200 bucks, but whatever. I just need to bite the bullet, buy the freaking 1022 and put a binary trigger in it because yeah, this Oh, and then I think I said in previous episodes, so 22 Plinkster, he has his own trigger with them now, and it's literally just a drop-in, and it takes out all the work that 
I was not looking forward to before they had this because it's not as easy to replace the trigger in a 1022 as it is like, you know, with your AR and stuff like that. If you went uh, 1022, would you go Woodstock or Palmer? Uh, that's a good question. Probably Palmer. I don't know. I like wood on AKs, you know, like I like some, yeah, I think I just like wood on AKs. I don't know if it's like the 1022. I think it looks too much like a hunting gun. Yeah, no, totally. And it's, it's a good plinker. It's meant to last a long time. So no, that's a good option. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, what's nice though, is like 1022. Think about all these guns where back in the day, it used to only be like AR 15s that you can customize. But like now there are so many other aftermarket parts for all these guns that it's like even Manicore arms. So they make a kit that you can put on your 1022 and it looks exactly like a 50 Barrett. That is way cool. And it's like, and then you put that binary trigger in it. And I'm like, oh my God, that is money. Well, the beauty of that binary trigger on a 1022 is like on like a nine mil handgun, a binary trigger, like you're not going to hit jack squat. But yeah. when it's on a 22, that recoil is moving the gun so little that you can get those follow-up shots, bum, 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 and stack them. So yeah. that's, that's, that's actually, really cool yeah, that's 22. a good point too. Yeah. If you guys want to check it out, head on over to franklinarmory.com. Don't forget to use the code AVA, A-V-A, and that is getting you 10% off your entire order. And now it is time to wrap up. Unfortunately, there is no iTunes review. So if you guys haven't left a review, please do so. It's always great to hear from you. If you guys enjoy the show and you want to become a patron to support the show, it's greatly appreciated. All you have to do is go to gunfunny.com, click on the support the show link and make a donation. And then you automatically get entered into our patron only Facebook group, which is a lot of fun. And then also blown deadline. He's giving away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron each month, regardless of your pledge. And I wanted to thank the $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Calamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, and Melissa Ridings. And then King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. And Dalen, thank you so much for joining me today. Congrats on the success of your YouTube channel. Can you just remind people once again what your YouTube channel is called and where they can find that? Yeah, on YouTube only at the moment, and it's civilian tactical. Be prepared for a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of fun stuff, and a lot of fast-paced stuff. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. Yep, absolutely. I appreciate it. And guys, I will talk to you next week. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.